The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world-famous Jonesy and Brown Show. It's your boys, Jonesy and Brown. That is Mike Jones. I am John Brown. Oh, man. Uh, uh, last week on the season premiere, you weren't really excited about Sixer basketball. And I feel like I feel like the basketball gods heard you. And they said, we're going to cheer Mike Jones up. We're going to get Mike Jones excited. So the Sixers went out and they offered a one-year contract. And they brought in Kelly Oubre. And now Mike Jones is on board. Mike Jones is ready now. Mike Jones is excited about your team, your town, your 76ers. Kelly Oubre. Yes. Right? Correct. All right, so you sent me a text message during the week that said Kelly Oubre. That was all the text message said. Yes. My response can he play point? Can he play point? Because if he can't play point, I'm not excited. I will say this, though. Mm-hmm. One thing that this this signing does tell you about the state of the league, mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre is a guy who averaged 20-5 and five with the Hornets last year. Yes. He's a talented basketball player, not a star by any stretch, but he's a talented basketball player. Average 20 and five and just signed for what? The league minimum? Mm-hmm. Superstar contracts in the NBA. I got to say, they're out ahead. We're at the point where guys are either max or minimum. There's no middle class in the NBA anymore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys that get the max, Probably aren't max players, but there's some other bad team with cap room that will give them the max. So the team they're on, who doesn't want to lose them, gives them the max. And it's, it's just bad. Like, it's basically how you end up with the Tobias Harris contract. No, I, I, I agree. And the Sixers have, have, the Sixers have truly put themselves in this hole where – I don't believe that there's a move that can be made that would truly outside of somehow maybe getting Giannis. I, I you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, that's I, not yeah, I know I understand I mean, it, but what I'm saying is I don't know if there's me, a move that I if you told me Dame decided that Philly was acceptable, not just Miami mm-hmm. and that move happened. Yeah. Maybe I'd be excited then, but as is with Harden demanded to go to the Clippers. And we see how that has caused any kind of negotiations for Harden to mm-hmm. 
to basically stall out because other teams that might have been interested are saying, you know what? I'm we good. know what this we know what this guy is like. If he's a malcontent, not where he wants to be, mm-hmm. and he already told you where he wants to be, so Harden has effectively tagged his own market, as did Dame Lillard. Mm-hmm. And here's my th- here's my thing. At the start of this offseason, there was one player who had an, a no-trade clause in his contract. So he could say wherever he wanted to go because he actually got that worked into his contract. Mm-hmm. If you want to have, like, sure, you want to say trade me, fine. I get it. Situations fall apart. Things go wrong. You want a fresh start. I'm not mad at a guy for demanding a trade. But if you weren't able to get a no trade clause in your contract during the negotiations, this thing where guys are at the back end are now trying to basically hold a hold a weapon to the hold head of the teams, organization. Man. Hold these teams hostage. Yeah. Like, no, that's, this should not be how it works. The NBA needs to do something about this. But what can the NBA do? What I mean, at now we're talking about collective bargaining. Now we're talking about going mm-hmm. back to the table and negotiating. And I'm not sure exactly what the NBA could do to rectify the situation in a way that the Players Association would see acceptable. I feel like the players feel like this is their only option. This is how it has to get done. But it can't be the only option if Bradley Beal had a no-trade clause. That's the actual option. Mm-hmm. Get a no-trade clause. If you're that good, you should be able to get one of those. If you're not good enough to get one of those, play wherever you're under contract for. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hard pill to swallow. You want to cho- and- choose a new team every year, sign one-year deals. Yeah, no, no. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you, it's not, this is not an issue of me disagreeing with you. In the it's end, we're right of back. What's the solution? Yeah. So I get it. And, and quite frankly, I just don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not sure what the solution is. I just know that we're looking for, for the first time in a long time. Sixth of season is coming up and there's no juice. There's no sizzle to this state. We're talking pre, you know, pre-process. And I got nothing. Sixers bring in a 20 and 5 guy. Everyone's who, who cares? Mm-hmm. I call my man. I call my man Mike Jones. Hey, we just got Kelly Oubre. Can he play the point? And what what can I really say? It's not like I can get mad, like like you're wrong, like you're being unreasonable, like you know. Because <laughs> I mean, just, as long as this Harden thing is still hanging over the team's head, well, let me ask you doesn't, this: doesn't really matter what other moves they make. But let me let me ask you this, and I think the Sixers have always been protective. They're not trying to just give away a James Harden. They want mm-hmm. to get value for you. If you bring in a player like Ubre, a player who who's Proven that he can score the basketball. He, he is a he, he is someone who can make can get you buckets. A wing mm-hmm. player that can get you buckets. 
would you be more inclined to take less for a James Harden now that you have a Kelly Oubre in camp? One thing doesn't have anything to do with the other. Well, I, well, the thing is, you're not trying to... It's Kelly like, Oubre is a dude I could have brought in for the minimum no matter what. Mm-hmm. James Harden is a dude I have under contract for $35 million mm-hmm. on an expiring deal. If I'm trading James Harden, I'm not trying to get stuck long-term with a bad contract. Mm-hmm. And I know you won't get equal value on court, but I want something at least serviceable at a position that actually helps my team. That's what I'm saying. All right. I'm for a lack of a better term. I understand he's not top tier in the league anymore, Mm -hmm. but to an extent, James, James Harden is considered a superstar. Not, you know, I'm not putting him up there with Steph and Giannis or whatever, but he's a, Top tier, well, top 15? Top 15 what? Top 15 player in the league, James Harden. Top 15, top 20? See, here's the problem with the trot. If we're just talking skill set and IQ, mm-hmm. sure. James well, Harden's mm-hmm. legs are shot. We saw it last mm-hmm. year. We saw it the year before that. He's he's a guy on the decline. Mm-hmm. Because well, uh, here's sorry, the thing that we have to remember. I'll be real quick. Harden is what thirty four going going on thirty five. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> NBA prime is from twenty eight to thirty two. For most of our lives, by thirty three, thirty four, guys were retiring. I mean, since then, yeah, we've seen your Mikes, your Kobe's, your Lebrons go on these mm-hmm. extended stretches where they're great. At 35, 36 still, mm-hmm. that's not the typical that's NBA not. player. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, James Harden has never been accused of taking great care of his body. So at 30, going on 35 years old, James Harden's a depreciating asset. Mm. So I, I guess my question is then, would you? You get a point guard in return, not necessarily mm-hmm. an all-star point guard, but someone who can, someone you could trust to won't run turn your the ball up, yeah, won't like, turn, turn the ball, the ball over, over makes good decisions, yes, and can make an open shot from time to yes. time. Yes, would you take that in return for James Harden? Not necessarily an all-star. Your that casual fan might say, "Who?" But that, that and what? That and whatever it takes to get the deal done. I'm saying, no, like, I'm, that no, I'm saying like. That if a if a player like that comes available, I'm interested, but I need something else with it. Like what? Like draft consideration? Like another player? Like I'd 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 absolutely look absolutely be my first interest would be draft consideration. Mm -hmm. But considering the Sixers are a team that still believes they have a chance to build a championship roster around Embiid they're likely thinking another player. Okay. Well, you know, only time will tell. And I'm still it, I'm I'm still working on getting you that Kelly Oubre Sixers. And realistically, here's the other thing. If you're looking for that type of player, which is a quote-unquote step down from Harden, still solid, but 
now you got to make the money work. Because remember, we just talked about it. You're not getting a max, dude. You're probably looking at a minimum guy. Because all the other people that fall in there are like people are first round draft picks on rookie deals, mm-hmm. and teams aren't looking to give them up if they're any good. I understand. I understand. So, yeah, you honestly, your two best options are almost wait out the year till a couple big contracts expire or trade mm-hmm. everybody and rebuild. It looks like it looks like we're they're going to be waiting a year. Mhm. I I just, At this it, point that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, we'll we'll see I, what happens from there. Because Maury has said it himself in interviews on local radio where he's in the he's at a point where he doesn't want to compromise the team's ability to have those two slots available going into free agency next year. Mm-hmm. So he's not looking to take back long-term deals for big money, which all of these things make the list of available options less and less, you know? And I, and that puts us back, and that, that kind of puts us back to where we were last week. Blow Whereas, it up. No, 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 but I, I guess... Whereas you could see, in theory, in theory, the the moves that the Sixers have made to improve the team. But when you look at the when you look at that team, realistically, honestly, you still don't see a team that you believe could get past the second round. Meaning, I believe the Sixers have made have made moves that could make them, uh, that could keep them at a, a forty five plus win team, forty five fifty win team, top four, you know, in mm-hmm. in contention for the division, top two, top four, top three team in the Eastern Conference. But when you look at it realistically. I don't know if this team is is beating Milwaukee in seven games. I don't know if this team can beat Boston in seven games. I don't know if this team is beating Miami in seven games. So you're right back where you started. Mm -hmm. With Embiid now another year older. And yes, you know, you're going to have Tobias Harris's contract coming off the books. But when you look at how the Ben Simmons era ended, how the James Harden era ended, what what free agent might want to come here? These are all these are fair questions. You know, it's, you know, it, uh, you know, I'm not the guy telling you you're wrong. I understand, man. I understand, man. That's that's why people ain't feeling the six of the season, man. We we hoping for the best. We hoping we can get the most out of the out of this uh Phillies postseason. Hoping the Eagles will do some things. Bottom line is let the Phillies have a have a nice long run in this postseason. Let the Eagles have a nice long postseason run. That'll get you to next baseball season. 
I want I I want to focus on the Sixers as little as possible. So I can be pleasant. So if for some reason something happens, I can be pleasantly surprised. Because right now, my expectations are zero. Expectations, zero, my dude. I mean, they're a playoff team. Who, the Sixers? Yeah, they're a playoff team. Yeah, and we'll do exactly what we did last year. We'll hang out at the cigar bar, enjoy that first round, and then get mad at the second round. Pretty much. Might get mad at the first round. (laughs) God, I hope not. I mean, like I said, Harden's value is going in the wrong direction. Mm Mm-hmm. He can talk that best shape of my life stuff all he wants. But fact of the matter is, the second you start hearing an athlete say they're in the best shape of their life, you know it's over. Yeah. Because the, fact, con- that you gotta tell, the fact that you have to tell somebody is, is part of the mm-hmm. problem. The yeah, they're trying to convince to- themselves that they still have it at that point. You know, who, t- you know who, who, who goes around saying that they're in the best shape of their lives? Washington People who look heads. like me. Washed up yes. boys. Yes, people who look like me. Mm-hmm. I tell people I'm in the best shape of my life. And, and it's a lie. <laughs> it's an absolute lie. I'm in the worst shape of my life. But, but that, I mean, that's just, you know, you know it, goodness. It is what it is, bro. Truly is what it is. I do think I said that. I didn't really want to have to talk about the Sixers again until at least camp opened or something, though. This is – there's nothing good to talk about with this team right now. There is. Yeah. There, there, there truly is. And and you know what? Uh, all right. I, I, we've wasted almost 18 minutes on, on Sixers, man. Real quick, I've talked about uh, – Real quick before we move on to the Eagles, got a guest coming up. We're going. We're going to talk Eagles. But uh, I said that hopefully the Phillies would catch, would catch the Braves slipping, and win that series. You said maybe not two out of three. Yeah, you said you know maybe not catch them slipping, but took two out of three. Yeah, like what I was what I was saying was like you didn't necessarily have to catch them slipping to win the series. Yeah, the Phillies are a good team. Yes, like that series a couple like a, a week or two ago when Atlanta was in Philly, they lost three or four, but two of those games the Phillies fought to the end and they lost in extras. Yep. This series, there was of the three game series. One of those games, again, went down to the wire, and the Phillies happened to win this time in extras. These te- The gap between these teams, talent-wise, is negligible, if there is one at all. Yep. The difference between these two teams this year has been consistency. Trey Turner struggled early in the year. Bryce Harper's power didn't return till late in the season after the Tommy Johns he had in the offseason. So, yeah, there's a big gap in the standings. There's not a big gap 
mm-hmm. on the field between these two teams. Like, like you don't believe that the, the Atlanta Braves are head and shoulders above the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, you have to say the Braves are the best team in baseball right now. Yeah. That's just what their yeah. record is. Yeah. But, when, yeah. but what I'm saying is, it's not I like don't the, think they the Phillies ain't out of their league. Right. Like, the Phillies aren't completely outclassed when they play the Braves. Mm-hmm. Like if, so, handle like your business year, against the Mets coming up. And sh- oh yeah, please should be in good please shape. Do. Please do, please handle your business against the Mets, and then we can keep it moving. All right, still waiting on. Uh, we got a guest coming up, waiting on him to jump in. But Eagles Bucks coming up. Uh, news of the day: Dallas injury bug hits Dallas. Mm-hmm. Diggs gets Trayvon injured. Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Yes. In practice. For the season. Hate mm-hmm. to see, you know, as much as I hate, I hate, the, I, I hate the I hate Dallas the Cowboys, Cowboys, but never want anybody to be injured. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that's a tough break for them. Um, changes, uh, changes a lot of their defense. You know, he, he was absolutely, he was, he was the heart and soul of that secondary. <laughs> When you, you go still got to deal. Having, you still got to deal with that front seven, but but when you, know, you go from having Biggs and Gilmore, that you can run out there pr- pretty much man to man against any receiving core, to now mm-hmm. where you have somebody who's going to be far less experienced and definitely less proven, or opposite of Gilmore, that's likely to get targeted a lot now. So we'll see how things shift for this defense and if they'll be able to find somebody to step up and, you know, next man up, it's football. But with that Cowboys pass rush, having a stout secondary makes, I mean, all we have to do is really look back at the Eagles last year while you were getting 70 sacks. You also had Bradbury and Slay having very productive seasons on the back end. And their jobs get, and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson as well last year led the lit tie for league league and sacks, even having missed some time. When you have the pass rush like that, having stud corners on the back end really opens some things up. Yeah, it makes things happen. But now we know if you might have a weak spot out there, the pass rush helps, Mm -hmm. but. They better get home because you got a guy on the back end that might get exposed now. Who does uh, who does Dallas have this week? I, I gotta look. Dallas this week is oh man, I should know this. I don't. The Cowboys week three is Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Okay, all right. Well. Mm-hmm. They're so they have some time. Yeah, they yeah, have some they time, have to, time to work a guy in, figure it out. They should be okay this week. Week after that, they got the Patriots, which is a tougher test in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But their receiving core and quarterbacks aren't the greatest. So again, they have time to try to figure out what they're going to do. The week after that, in three weeks, well, two weeks from that. From this, but three get mm-hmm. their third game upcoming. They have the 49ers. That will be the first that real be the test. test. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because then See, here's you got the problem, the- you know. It's I'm not going to call like the Patriots aren't easy. They're, they're they're not a pushover. Arizona is what they are. They're they're tanking. So who you know, even if Arizona was to you know was to have some early success, they're going to then end up being Arizona again. You saw that against the Giants because <clears throat> mm-hmm. it was looking like the Giants was going to get shut out for a second game in a row, and then. Down 20 to nothing, 27 to 6. Mm-hmm. And then somebody finally told the Cardinals what they're playing for. It was like, hey, bro, you know. Is this kid named Caleb, Caleb Williams? Yeah, yeah Caleb Williams. He was like, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, Kyler Murray. But, it is I mean, I'm sure they'll be able to find somebody to give them something for him. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see what happens there at the end of this year. But but in 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 the end, I think you're looking at that. You see Arizona and you see the Patriots. That's going to build Cowboys fans up to think, you know, we didn't need Diggs. Oh, we're just fine. This defense is just fine, and they'll be right back to being insufferable going into. 49ers week, which mm-hmm. will be interesting because 49ers fans have worked so hard to be insufferable over this last summer, over these last couple of months. So to see those two fan bases getting ready to go at each other, meanwhile, you'll see that the Cowboys now have a built-in excuse. Oh, we didn't have digs. That's the only reason we lost or whatever. Versus that great that grand Schottenheimer scheme that got <laughs> Brock Purdy killed against the Eagles, they're going to be wheeling Shannon that in and trying. Uh, what I say? I said Schottenheimer. I said Schottenheimer. <laughs> but that grand Shanahan scheme that got mm-hmm. Brock Purdy killed in the playoffs against the Eagles, they're going to try and wheel that out. And block Mark Micah Parsons with it. <laughs> Micah Parsons might kill Brock Purdy in, uh, <laughs> that week, and then we'll be hearing again. Oh well, if we had a fifth string quarterback, we would have beat the uh, we would have beat the Forty Niners. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. Got us a guest this week, man. Got us a guest. I was introduced to this man by a good friend of the show, Mike Patton. Shout out to Mike Patton. Good friend. Mm-hmm. Said, I reached out to Mike. I said, I need, I need somebody who, who covers the Bucks. So he said, I got a guy. He says, I know a guy. He says, he, he's like, he knows his stuff. He's like, you got to put him on. He works for Cover uh, Cover Two Draft. He's also he also writes for uh, I believe a uh, uh, goodness. Team MBS Media. I'm looking. I'm, I'm I'm on the Twitter page slash X, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but this man knows this no this man knows Tampa Bay football. So let's so I said let's holler at him. Let's talk to him. So let's bring him on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Barnes, what's going on, sir? Good evening, guys. How's everything? Oh, everything good, is good. Good. Name. 
Thanks for hopping on with us. Anytime, man. Let your beck and call. <laughs> See that? That's what I'm talking about. This man's gonna be. This man's our friend. We're gonna we're gonna be talking to this guy a lot this year. All right. Appreciate all right. it, man. Yeah, so let's get straight to it. Um, first question. I'm, it's got to start with the obvious. Baker Mayfield. You're two and zero. How sold is Tampa Bay on Baker Mayfield at this point? Oh, they're loving it right now. They're pleasantly surprised. Many people wrote it off. Uh, I think we talked about, um, we were just talking about it earlier today. I was just at Ray J a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last year when Tom Brady was here, they added an extra seats because of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Well, those seats are gone. That's what the expectation was with Bray- Baker Mayfield taking over. But mm-hmm. guess what? They're 2-0. They're loving life. The defense is playing pretty well. Um, and he's keeping you in games. He's not turning the ball over. They're not, you know, spectacular running the football right now, but he's playing with a grit that's inspiring his teammates, and they're loving it right now. Do you see, like, I think Pop, Baker had kind of uh, maturity issues when he was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess and there were a lot of people who kind of felt like he was kind of, he was one of those players who was kind of thrusted into stardom. Before he really produced on the field, you saw him in 10 million commercials, face was everywhere, and maybe the moment got too big for him. Do you think seeing him now, now that he's kind of he's kind of got knocked down a few pegs, and now he's in this he's in a position where he has a chance to kind of rebuild and and uh, get his career back on track. Do you see a maturity uh change in him now? I see he's dialed it back a little bit. Um, you know, one of the knocks that I had on him in the draft coming out of Oklahoma was that unchecked brashness. Now, the guy mm-hmm. that's going to do his own thing, and no matter what, you can't tell me nothing. Well, he found out in Cleveland, yes, you can tell him something. Uh, so <laughs> he's kind of dialed it back a little. He understands the business now. Um, he's mm-hmm. still going to be Baker because he can't play the way he plays being any other way. But he at least learned the locker room aspect of it, learn the guy's trust. Yes, I got to be a leader. I got to do some of that stuff but I have to do it in a way that doesn't turn off my teammates. And that's kind of what happened in Cleveland. It was all love when in the beginning when he was winning, but after a while it kind of turned guys off. He's trying not to do that here in Tampa. He knows he doesn't have too many more stops left as a starter if he messes it up here. So speaking of his teammates, how's Mike Evans doing? How are things going on that front right now? On the field, they're doing just fine. And the contract wise, they're not so, not so good, right? They're not talking anymore. So I think that's one of the things he's like, you know, listen, I'm going to play this out. I'm going to try and earn my money, and I'm going to try and get my money. He wants what he wants. He knows the team wants to pay him what they want to pay him. It's going to come to a head where they're either going to come to the terms this offseason or he's just going to move on. I, I, think, what they're, I think what they're looking at is, is as far as him playing this season, He's going to ball out because he wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the biggest thing of it all. He, he still has a couple of focus drops in there. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. That's always been Mike Evans. Um, I know Jameis Winston can attest to that with some of those interceptions that he threw. Uh, but I think when you look at it, Mike Evans has always been a guy that's going to ball out, win, lose, or draw. I think the question is now how happy is he here in Tampa Bay? And that all revolves around the dollar signs. So and with that, just real quick, just a follow up. Do you see this turning into a situation where he finishes the year in Tampa Bay, or he decides he wants out because he's not going to get the money he wants? 
from Tampa Bay? Or you don't think it'll be a situation where he becomes a distraction this year to the team, at least? No, no. Um, I think what it's going to be is he's going to play this year out no matter what. How, you know, how well it goes so far is going well. The wheels can fall off at any time. We've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're not going to have that kind of issue out of Mike Evans. That's never really been his character. He's always just going to mm-hmm. ball out. Um, but most importantly, when you're in the final year of a deal, you ball out because you want that next big deal. He wants that mm-hmm. next bag. And he's not going to get it if it turns into a bad situation. And he knows that. He needs. He wants that 20 and up. He's got to have a, a year that proves he's worth 20 and up. Where are the fans as far as Mike? Mike Evans is concerned. Do they want the Bucks to bring him back, or are they like, you know, if he's asking too much, hey, let him go? For the most part, they want him back. They, they realize mm-hmm. they need Mike Evans. You know, he, him and Chris Godwin make this offense. Without those two guys, and, and one having one or the other, you've seen the struggles. So having mm-hmm. them both together allows them to do a lot of different things. I still has issues overall moving the football on long drives, as we've seen um, third down situations. You know, Godwin makes a lot of them, but there are still situations where they miss that big guy in the middle named Rob Gronkowski that they never replaced. And so mm-hmm. they, they need the big plays that these guys can create in order to keep their offense scoring. As we saw, they had that anemic problem last year. So he's not going anywhere, at least until the end of the season. Godwin's got his money. So he's not going anywhere at all. And like I guess, you know, you talked about being two and zero, being encouraged, being in, being on board with with Baker Mayfield. That then brings you to the coach. You know, he's always he's always shined as a coordinator. Had some questionable moments as a head coach. Do you think people are finally on board with Todd Bowles? Not just yet. Not- um. Jury's still, year, so jury's still out. Yes, yes. Last year it was more still Bruce Arians' team, right? It wasn't mm, totally mm-hmm. Todd Bowles' team. He's done a lot to change that. We saw him wipe out about eight or nine coaches this offseason. Um, mm-hmm. I was saying if he struggled and went one and five, oh and five, he was pretty much done because you got rid of the coaches and you're struggling like that would have been him next. But yeah, he's off to a two and zero start, so that's out the window. He's doing fine right now. Can he sustain mm-hmm. this? That's all going to depend on one, the health of the football team, because it really does rely on that. They got to stay healthy in order to compete this year. Their defense is playing well. They can't have too many injuries on that side, can't have too many mm. breaks. They're a defensive football team in his mindset that he loves. Tough defense, run the football, no mistakes in the passing game, and we'll win games. So far with his formula, they're 2 0, they're living up to his expectations. Now, okay, so with that formula, don't turn the ball over, run the ball to, you know, keep the chains moving. How does that work against the Eagles defense that's very strong across the defensive line, specifically in the interior line, and Tampa Bay not having the best interior offensive line? How do you see that matchup playing out? That's a big quagmire for this offense because pretty much you just said it. That is the weakness of this offensive line. The interior, the Eagles are loaded on the interior defensive line. That rookie that they got this year that everybody was so afraid of in the top eight picks. Well, mm-hmm. it, it was fortunate to land them at nine and look where they are. Mm-hmm. Right, This defense is going to be tough 
it's a really bad matchup for them, but it's going to be tough, especially on the interior. And one, and just like Tom Brady, you affected the interior of the pocket, you made him struggle. Well, that's how Baker Mayfield is, believe it or not. Yes, he can roll out and do all those things, but when you contain him in the pocket and bring that pressure up the middle at 5'11 and a half, they give him six foot. But 5'11 mm-hmm. and a half, that's where he struggles. When he can't see the middle of the field, he makes a lot of errant throws. He'll throw some interceptions. He'll take some bad sacks because he's unsure of what he's seeing. Yeah, Drew Brees managed to master being short in the pocket. Baker Mayfield has never fully mastered that. So and and Sean gets, Payton mastered a scheme where he moved the pocket for Drew Brees a lot so yeah. that he didn't end up being – he was able to roll out and still be protected. Absolutely. And they're doing a lot more movement with him because they understand he's not going to be a guy that's going to sit in the pocket and throw the ball 30 times a game clean. That's just never been Baker Mayfield. It wasn't him in Oklahoma. It's not. It was never been him in the NFL. And I think that's where you're looking at right now is Tampa Bay is realizing that they want to run the football to take some of that pressure off of him so he doesn't have to throw it too many times. They want to allow him to play like Baker Mayfield, extend plays, throw off schedule, throw the quick throws from the pocket. You know, if you can give him a clean pocket on play action, he'll get some of those throws as well. And how is life post Fournette running the ball? Like, how how are they dealing with – Do the, is anyone taking over as the true bell cow runner, or is we are we still seeing a running back by committee thing happening? It's gonna it's gonna still be a committee backfield, but Rashad White leading the way. They love Rashad White. Um, listen, excellent pick coming out of Iowa State. Um, explosive runner has a lot of power to his game that people underestimate. Um, he mm-hmm. gives you a lot of the things that a young Fournette. Gave. The problem with it is that. They are not exactly the greatest at moving bodies at the line of scrimmage. They're still more of a finesse offensive line. They're trying to get grittier. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cody Mark from uh, North Dakota State was a good step in that direction. Luke Gottecki, uh, when he's playing well, is a step in that direction. We all know about Tristan Wirfs, but they've got to get stout of the middle um, and as far as moving bodies, something they're not exactly great at doing. They're very inconsistent, um, and that's where they got to really – find a way against this Philadelphia defense that's really tough up the middle. What do you think – like, what has been the talk about this game going in? What what are what are Bucks fans – what is the Bucks media – what are they most worried about going into this game uh, on Monday night? Uh, they're worried about that defense. They're worried about protecting Mayfield, running the football. Um, and I think – they feel they have a good enough defense to kind of contain that Eagle offense. I don't think they're going to stop them. They're mm-hmm. Enough to contain them. You know, eight, uh, mm-hmm. 20, 24 points is right in their wheelhouse. But they got to be able to score more than that. So that's the question that they have. Can they block this front? Can they run the football? Can they keep Mayfield clean? Can they limit the turnovers? And can they finish in the end zone as opposed to finishing with field goals against this tough Eagles defense? If they can do that, they'll have to be competitive enough to win. If they don't, uh, it's going to be struggle city all night on Monday night. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this team could? Do you believe that this Bucks team could have what it takes to beat this Eagles team on Monday? They have the capability. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't think that they're ready for that front of the Eagles. Um, mm-hmm. As we saw in the playoff game, they're pretty rough. We're roughed up by the Dallas Cowboys front. Well, this Eagles front is just as devastating but more from the interior as opposed to the exterior, like the Dallas Cowboys. Defense. 
happens is these guys are group one force trauma up the middle. So I think where their biggest weakness happens to be the Eagles' strength, and that's where the biggest mismatch for me is. And I think that's going to be the one that makes the difference in this game. I, I think Philadelphia does take the win. Jeff, how long have you been covering the Bucks now? How long have you been down there? You're uh, in I'm, Florida, right? You, yeah, you, I'm, you in, live in, I'm in the Tampa area. Uh, mm-hmm. I moved down here in 2018, so okay. I started taking the Bucks on about say about the pandemic time, 2020, 2021. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. I, I'm mainly a draft guy, so uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of these players around the league from the draft. Uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Watch the game and evaluating still. But uh, being that I moved to the Tampa area, I'm the Tampa guy from Team MBS. So. Mm-hmm. But so, but but you you've been there for the whole. The whole uh, Tom Brady uh, arrival, you, you saw them, you know, you, you saw them win a Super Bowl. Now they're in, now they are in, uh, I guess, a, a rebuild mode. Now they're, I, I, I guess you, I guess you could call it a rebuild mode when you move on from a quarterback like, like a, 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 a Tom Brady. I, I guess, are people, are, are people like, Confident in front office and this team and building and, and building the squad. Like what have what have you seen over the years that has built this uh, the fan base's confidence in this team? Um, I was fortunate to come down here when Jameis Winston was here, so I got to see two of oh, their friends as quarterbacks. Oh, uh, that's Mike's boy. That's uh, yeah. Mike loves himself <laughs> to Jameis Winston. Oh, I'm man. pretty sure I actually refer to Jameis as a career bad decision maker. <laughs> oh God, come on, man. That's your man. Don't talk. Don't don't talk about eat a dub like that. <laughs> Listen, uh, Jameis was was a, was a solid starter. He wouldn't say great. Wouldn't say poor. He was solid. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't have exactly the greatest teams around him to help him. Um, that didn't work out for him. They managed to land on Tom Brady. I mean, didn't have much better luck than that. I think right now they don't see this as a rebuild, more of a reload. Right, they're mm-hmm. just coming in and trying to keep things going while they add new pieces, uh, while their new head coach kind of makes it more in his image, and it seems to be working out. Right, I know last year was rough, but they still made the playoffs. Right, so mm-hmm. here they are, two and zero in the early in the season. Um, they got a really tough opponent. They pull this out. This town's going to be on fire. Like I said, there were a lot of expectations that this team wasn't going to be very good. You know, all off season. You know, Kyle Trask wasn't prepared to be the starter, so to have him thrust into a competition for the starting role when nobody believed he was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, to have Baker Mayfield, who's been in the journeyman for the past two years, so this has kind of been a thing where they looked at it. They didn't have faith in the quarterback position. Um, they weren't totally sold on Todd Bowles after Bruce Arians. The changes that were made at the coaching staff seemed a little desperate. So there was a lot of signs this offseason that didn't give fans a lot of confidence. Preseason mm-hmm. performances were up and down. We were a little excited about it because, you know, Baker looked pretty solid. Kyle Trask looked pretty solid. So they were pretty encouraged by what they saw. But it was the victory over the Vikings that really turned the worm for a lot of the fans. Uh, mm-hmm. To go out there and beat Minnesota when they didn't, they weren't expected to do so. Uh, they, weren't even, they weren't even sure if it was going to be a competitive game. And they went out there to Minnesota and beat Minnesota in their house, come home, beat Chicago. Now, you can have your feelings about the Chicago win because Chicago <laughs> played pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, a, that's a mess in Chicago. 
Yeah, they're struggling to get some things straightened out up there right now. Oh, yeah. Staff turnover midseason. It's it's some things going on up there that aren't conducive to winning. Quarterback may or may not have thrown his coach under the bus. You know, that's that's crazy. And and looking at the film, I don't blame him as much as you don't want to say that in public, but everybody sees it. I mean, everybody's going toward it. Everybody's breaking down that offense and talking about how dull it is. And it's hard to watch. You know, know, 75% of your passes are under 10 yards. You know, fifty of them behind the line of scrimmage. You can't mm-hmm. you can't live off screen. As a, as a former offensive coordinator, you can't live off the screen game. It doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. You, you know, <laughs> you may get away with it for a couple of games before teams catch on. But when they catch on, it goes bad real fast. Yep. You know, and they found that out trying to run a screen on their own goal line. So it, it it's it's not something that you live off of. Your lifeblood has to be more than just throwing a bunch of screens at people. So if that's the case, if you really don't believe in this kid, then he shouldn't be your starter. But there's more than enough talent at that quarterback position to believe it. You got to coach mm-hmm. it upright. It takes a lot of patience to coach quarterbacks. I hear you. Speaking of speaking of quarterbacks, we got one here that that we kind of like. Uh, he's he's grown on us. People in the city, we had our doubts when when it uh when he first got here weren't necessarily sold on the draft pick, but since then he's won everybody's hearts. We love him. We're never getting rid of him. Uh he's my hero, uh Mr. Jalen Hurts. What what is uh what is your opinion of, of the career that he's had so far? Still still early, still what going into his third year as uh fourth year in the league, third year, year as a starter. Yeah. Third year as a starter, fourth year in the league. What is, what you know you you've watched him now because you like you said you're a draft guy. What were your thoughts of him coming into the league and what he's done since then? I thought he had a lot of upside coming into the league. He showed a lot of progression when he went from Bama to Oklahoma. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there was just certain things with his game they had to fix. I think he had the right coordinator um, in Philadelphia. This kind of helped him blow up the way he did is because that guy played to his strengths. Anytime you get a, a special kind of player and you have a coordinator that goes and says, this is what he's strong at. We're going to work around what he does so well and build on that as opposed to trying to make him something he's not. That's when you have the most success. We're seeing that with him, right? You see, they go out there, they utilize his speed, they utilize his athleticism, but they allow him to grow as a passer. You're not seeing that in Chicago, but you are seeing it in Philadelphia. You're playing to your guy's strengths, okay? You got a guy as a pitcher with a great fastball. You let him throw the fastball. You teach him another pitch, but you let him throw the fastball. Well, Mm -hmm. the same thing with your quarterback. If your quarterback's athletic, you utilize it in your offense in many different ways. You see a lot of coaches that are system guys, Shanahan. You couldn't make Trey Lance work. Why? Because plain and simple, Trey Lance was raw. He had to teach him, but he ain't got time to teach him. I got to win right now. And I like Mm -hmm. guys that fit what I do, which is why Brock Purdy's there. Trey Lance isn't. Well, you got a guy in Philadelphia that they love his skill set. They found a way to utilize his skill set, and it's working out to perfection. So if you were a defensive coordinator, you're Todd Bowles or you're the Tampa Bay D.C. planning to go against this Jalen Hurts offense, what's your plan of attack? How do you look to neutralize this Philadelphia offense? Well, there's two things I'm going to do. One, I'm going to try and get as much pressure as I can with four guys. So this week, I'm playing four athletic 
defensive alignment. I got my big nose plugger in the middle that can move in Vita Vea. I'm going to play mm-hmm. those young guys. I got Yaya Diaby, Joe Tryon, Sharinka, uh, Shaq Barrett. All right, I'm going to play all of those young guys that we got, and I'm going to let them create havoc on that quarterback. I'm going to let my linebackers clean up the rest and make sure take care of that running game. And then I'm going to make sure we got enough bodies to cover those receivers and tight ends. But you got it all starts with making sure that that quarterback doesn't get out there and kill you with his legs and with his arm. So you got to you're going to get some points. There's not going to be a way to shut this team down. Very few teams do it. So mm-hmm. you got to go out there and do just that. Make it hard for him to run around and create and do all that stuff. Make him throw on schedule. Make him stay in the pocket and hold the football. Don't let him run around and create. Make him do everything right from the pocket, play like a traditional passer where you can collapse things on him and, and collapse things around him. And this way you're controlling his game as opposed to him controlling the club. Okay. So we now we already covered that you think the Eagles, you expect the Eagles to win this game. How close of a game do you see it being? I'm going to go with 27-13, Philadelphia. 27-13? That don't seem too close at all. Two touchdowns. touchdowns. So you you see it being a struggle for Tampa Bay to get their offense going, and they're going to have to figure out ways to to help out that offensive line. Yeah, I think it's going to be a consistency Mm -hmm. issue. You're not going to get the breaks and covers that Chicago gave you. Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to be tough like Minnesota was. Um, Mm -hmm. Barely snuck out of Minnesota with 20. So you, you look at this defense, you're probably going to get a, a touchdown, two field goals. You may get a missed field goal out of it or an inception when you get mm-hmm. a chance to drive. Um, but you're going to have some punts in there. I think that's going to be the biggest struggle is the consistency on offense. So 13 there. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to make some plays against this defense, unfortunately. for um, They're going to have a hard time with what things they're going to do with that running game. Uh I'm so used to those two guys still being together. Um, no, yeah, Dallas Goddard is still a tough matchup. Um, alone. Then you still have, of course, Brown and Smith on the outside, and then the slot receivers. I mean, you may get away with not playing against Gainwell, but there are plenty of other weapons in that arsenal for the Eagles to give you enough problems. And I just we have a lot we have a lot of good corners, but we don't have enough to cover all of those guys. And you can only do so much with the safety that we have. So I, I think right now, as you look at it, there's going to be some points for the Eagles. Um, I'm giving them 27. It could be 21, it could be 24, but I'm giving them 27, 13. I like it. I like it. Hey, uh, real quick, because just because you do so much good work. We love what you're doing with, with, with Tampa Bay, but uh, tell us tell us more about what you do with the draft and what uh, things that you're doing uh, with your site. Absolutely. So um, my site at Cover 2 Draft is no more because I do so much at Team MBS Media. Uh, so mm-hmm. what we do now is we still have the uh, what we call uh, Team MBS Draft Central. That starts mm-hmm. airing in January. It goes during the whole draft season school. Um, from January till after the draft. Is that a podcast? Is that or, or like a webcast? What is that? Yeah, it's a webcast. Uh, okay. Somebody else. We, everything is through the uh, YouTube channel and the social media networks on Team MBS. Nice. Um, nice so uh, look out for that in January. I'm also involved in a lot of the NFL coverage. So I do uh, probably going to be recording Bucks Weekly tonight. So that'll be 
airing as soon as we get that uploaded and cut mm-hmm. and ready to go. Um, also, we have two shows that we do on Sunday mornings now. Uh, the Last Word, which is our college football recap show on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Right after that, Moving the Chains, which is our NFL show, kickoff show that we do for about an hour. Um, so that's another a couple of things I'm involved in as well. So I'm all over the place on Team MBS doing a lot of different shows and podcasts and, and do making appearances like today. All right. Okay. Making man. Man. And that's TeamNBSmedia.com. That's how they can reach you. That's how they can yes. find you. Yes, they can find me on Twitter at, at JeffBarnes29. Uh, there's also at MBS Draft Central, which is the draft show's Twitter handle. Uh, at Team MBS Media is the main uh, Twitter handle for Team MBS Media. And of course, team, uh, www.teammbsmedia.com. And also on YouTube, Team MBS Media channel. Look it up, we like, and subscribe. Jonesy, we need to get this man back on um, draft time, all right? Uh, absolutely. Just, just, letting you know, just letting you know, don't lose our number. We, we, we will be hitting you up again. You will be hearing from us again, sir. I'll be here. And trust me, I'm always ready to talk draft, man. I love it. Uh, it's been a passion of mine since I started really stopped playing and getting back into coaching. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's, now, team building for me is all year round. Okay, now you said you played. Where, where did you play? Uh, well, most people wouldn't know. If you actually look, the gold helmet back there is mine. That's my New York Bengals jersey. I played in the United Football League in the, okay. early, in the mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. up in the 2000s. Um, originally from the Bronx, I played at Mount St. Michael Academy. Nice. I went to Grambling, although I wasn't there long enough to actually suit up for Coach Robinson. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> after that, I came back, had my daughter, and I was playing minor league ball after that up nice. until our retirement at age 29. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so I bounced around New York in, in the tri-state area playing football before I got into coaching. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Well, we we appreciate your knowledge. We appreciate everything you dropped. Thank you, sir. Once again, that is Jeff Barnes from Team NBS. You can find him in all the stuff that he does, TeamNBSmedia.com. Follow him, Jeff Barnes 29 on Twitter. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Like I said, I love having coming. Thank you for coming up and having me on. I'll be mm-hmm. back anytime you want. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank well, we you, appreciate sir. It. Pre- appreciate you, man. Okay, guys. That was Jeff Barnes, man. Look, had me, he had me feeling good. Good Bucks good, information. Man. That was good Bucks information, man. We're going to smash the Bucks, man. <laughs> I'm ready. ready. We're going to smash these dudes, man. Hey. Oh, man. I, I what makes to... me feel better mm-hmm. is hearing that that the weakness point of their offense is the interior offensive line because we've seen not only the impressive rookie Jalen Carter, we've also seen some impressive play from the second year DT who seems and, uh, to have mm-hmm. and Jordan Davis who seems to be stepping his game up as well. Mm-hmm. So it's only going to be it's it's and they've kept the two of them kind of separate, you know. On, on the line, mm-hmm. but it's just going at some point in time, you're going to see the two of them lined up together. And that's just going, that that's just going to be a big, Cause, you know, right now you still have a rotation oh, yeah. that includes Fletcher Cox, Cox and Milton man. Williams, mm-hmm. BG, Josh Sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, oh man, it, it is, it, it's going to be special, bro. It's definitely going to be special. Uh, um, your uh, predictions for the game. Jeff said 27-13 Eagles. 
24-17 for Jonesy. I'm going to say 27-20 Eagles. No, so, so we're all on the birds. So we're all we're, we're all birds. It's, it's always go birds for us. Oh man, I meant to point out to you. I, I, it's funny. There are things that people do on social media. There are things that people do on social media that I I try not to do because I I'm not I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of recording television using my phone. You see how people will post like TikToks and, and, and Instagram videos of something they see on television. Mm-hmm. And it's just them shooting their their TV with their phone. But I wanted to do that today because I was sitting here, I'm flicking through channels, and for some unknown reason, because I never do this, I stopped on Colin Cowherd's show, and I never watch his show. You know, but he was on with Greg Cosell, and the only reason I stopped was because they were about to start talking Eagles. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because he kind of Greg Cosell, week, who does NFL films as well as yeah. the occasional uh, show inside with Inside the, bird, the Birds with, with, with Moshe. Yes, mm-hmm. he shut Cosell straight shut Cowherd down. Cowherd was trying to crap on the Eagles. And basically talked about their offense and how they're struggling their offense, and kind of, kind of try to take a dig at at the coaching and the play calling. And Cosell was like, "No, I thought that was a beautifully called game because they wanted to see what that deep." We said Brian Flores. The point that Greg Cosell made was that Brian Flores, as a defensive coordinator, hides his coverage. Mm-hmm. So they needed to see how he was trying to line up to see what he was doing. And then made, then they made the adjustment once it became obvious. And what they were doing was, was sitting back trying to take the passing game away from Jalen hurts. And once that had been established, that's when they started giving the ball to Swift. Mm-hmm. That's when they started pounding the ball and that's what opened up the game. That was the chess match. And honestly, I had not seen it like that before. You remember last week when we were talking about the game, I'm sitting there and I said it looked like a te- the Eagles looked like a team who lost both coordinators. Week one was sloppy. Week two, to me, it mm-hmm. felt like Brian Johnson, the OC, was starting to get far more comfortable in understanding how this particular offense works. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that this offense needs to be the 85 Bears, 65% run type of offense. Yeah. But the way this offense works with the, the run action stuff, it all works best when the QB puts the ball in the running back stomach, mm-hmm. the defense actually has to collapse in on the running back. And then you can pull it out and you've got time to roll out and that run to the outside is there, or you've got one-on-one coverage down the field 
because you've pulled him up into the run. The former offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, he went through the stretch at the beginning of the Nick Sirianni era where those guys were trying to put the ball in Hertz's hands a lot to throw, oh, mm-hmm. and it looked ugly in Hertz's first year as a starter. Do you remember what happened when they got on that roll to get to the playoffs? Started they started the running the ball for two, close to 200 yards a game they were running the ball. Mm-hmm. And then coming into last season, you would still see them be dominant in stretches running the ball, which is why many times we'd be screaming, why are they giving the ball to Miles Sanders still? Why aren't they giving But mm-hmm. they did their job with the run by causing the defense to overreact to the run action. Now, Brian Johnson is starting to understand that as well with this team. If teams are going to only rush three, sometimes rush four, and drop all these guys back in coverage, gut them with the run. You have this offensive line and you have talented backs. Force them to bring other guys in the box. Force them to respect the run action. And that's how you'll see the passing game open up. Not that we need to be 60% run. You could still be 40, 45% run and, you know, heavier on the pass. But you need to use the run to set up that passing game. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. And 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 I, I had my doubts. I had my concerns about this offense and this offensive coordinator at the start of the season. Still have some question marks, but I I am open to have my mind changed. I want to see more. I'm ready to see more. You know, so time will tell. Both, you know, we're we are both predicting an Eagles win this season, uh, this weekend. So we will see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's been the Grow Famous Jonesy and Brown Show. My name is John Brown. Cross from me is my man Mike Jones. That's me. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Hit us up Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Jonesy and Brown. I'm sorry, Facebook. Instagram and X <laughs> at Jonesy and Brown or BITW Sports and make sure you download this podcast wherever you get your podcast just go to BITWSports.com once again world famous Jonesy and Brown show ladies and gentlemen y'all have a great weekend enjoy all the sports and we'll talk to you guys next time peace y'all peace you feeling this podcast to hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Brown.